If you ever find yourself making an excuse, you will come back to this episode often. Let's go! Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Hey gang, how's it going? Russell Westcott here. So welcome, episode 174 in the books here. So I'm going to keep the intro introduction to this episode very tight and very concise and, you know, got lots of things on the go. You know, a couple couple things have just come through. We just got um, some new certificates of insurance for some properties that we're building up in Edmonton. And so that's always exciting when the mortgage brokering business, uh, you know, when CMHC finally releases the reins and and lets uh, some investors, uh, you know, may, may I please, sir, may I please have a mortgage? <laughs> they, they they grant you for the, you know, from from the pulpit, they say, yes, you have been, my son, you have been blessed with this commercial financing mortgage. Anyways, you know, I feel a little punchy today. We've had about four cups of coffee this morning and we're, we're just kicking it into gear. And uh, I, 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 the thing I mainly want to do is I want to just uh, set up this episode. I had a wonderful conversation with a very dear friend of mine, uh, Tahani Abirane. And uh, we, you know, it's funny, it goes to the backstory. I think we shared a little bit about the backstory at the beginning of this. But really, Tawny and I had a wonderful dinner um, with a group of, of friends that we hadn't seen from each other for a long time. And, and I said, you know what, Tawny, your story is just so amazing. It's so inspiring. And um, you know what? I think that there's an entire new generation of real estate investors that just hasn't heard this. And uh, that would be a shame that uh, your story doesn't get shared out to a wider audience of all the new investors that are in this uh, real estate world, because this is just a true story of grit, a true story of perseverance, a true story of just whatever it takes, whatever is required. This is an amazing story that you're about to hear. And Tahani and I had a wonderful conversation catching up and we dove into the backstory and and I, and I know for her, she's probably, you know, she's lived this story and it's, you know, it's, she's normalized it now after all these years and she's probably told it a, a lot of times and things like that. But I don't want you, if you're listening to it, to, um, to really dismiss it or gloss over it. I want you to actually put yourself into Honey's shoes. Like, seriously, like, especially with what's going on in the world right now. Literally put yourself in her shoes and ask the question, what would you do? Like, what would you do if you were in that situation? What would you do if you were uh, faced with that challenges and that adversity and things like that? What would you do? That is the main thing that I want you to get from the story. Plus, there's just some wonderful detailed information about in uh, real estate investing, we talked a lot about the markets. We talked about what's going on. We talked about some opportunities. We just had a wonderful time catching up. Okay, game. I'm going to leave it there. Make sure you stick around right to the very end. I have a very special message for you at the end. And then with all that being said, ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome Tahani Abirane. All right, Tahani Abarane, welcome to the show today. How are you doing, my friend? Thank you so much, Russell. I'm doing fine, I should say, amidst of all that is happening in the world. But um, health is great. Family is good. You know, there's a few things in the family that are happening. 
So admits of all of that, I can say that I'm feeling more grounded and more on course and on point than ever before. Yeah. And and we were having a little conversation to just catch. It's funny. We were sitting there sharing and catching up and all this kind of stuff. We're, going, we're wasting all the good stuff when we haven't hit the record button here. So it's, it's like, Tahani, first and foremost, um, I it warms my heart to see you, as always. It, it's like every time I have a conversation with Tahani, I walk away a better person. And I'm not trying to make this about me. I'm just trying to make this as... I'm, and I'm not trying to pump your tires. I'm just telling you f- facts from one person to another is you have you're a special type of person that when you walk away after a conversation with you you feel like you're a better person so i just want to offer that to you up front thank you i take that with an open heart thank you so much well it's funny i was sitting there going i go what direction could we go with this conversation and this conversation could be for like four and a half hours but um tahani and i had a conversation jesus it was before the summer wasn't it that and we were sitting there going and i said you know tahani your story is just so compelling and just so touching and i honestly believe that there's an entire new generation of real estate investors that is not familiar with your backstory and and the crazy thing sorry if that sounds weird but your story is now more relevant than ever before with what's going on in this world. And uh, before we go into your backstory, I, I do want to find out how are you doing right now? I understand you're a grandma. Yes, for the second grandchild. So we Tahani, you're you're cool. you're way too young to be a grandma, by the way. What did you you had children when you were like eleven or ten or something? Yeah, exactly. Like seriously, you don't you have an age the day since I've I've first met you and it's been one almost probably twenty years almost now. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, we've known each other for a couple of decades right now, if not even a bit more. Yes, of course. Yeah. I mean, my kids, my daughter is almost 40 and my son is 34 and um, it's been a wonderful journey. And uh, you're just not seeing the um, all the lines and everything <laughs> because the camera is so good to do anyways. Yeah. It's called soft diffused lighting, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Well, I'm glad you're doing well. And and we're going to talk a little bit about kind of what's going on in the world a lot. And this is a real estate conversation. It truly is. But but I, I'm very open to tell people is who you are as a human and who you are as a person will impact your real estate investments and your background, your upbringing, the things you've overcome, the pain you've endured, the things you have had shape you to, um, you know, maybe just pardon my language, maybe take no BS out there in the marketplace right now, because just putting things in perspective and you're about yeah. to hear some perspective here of a wonderful story. So I'm going to turn it over here to Hani. Why don't you share, first of all, share the background, share your story, share where you've come to and where you've led up to this point in your life now, and then we'll, we'll pivot into what you're doing in, in, within real estate and life now. So maybe just share your little bit of backstory right now. Yes, thank you. There's a couple of things, first of all, is that it dawned on me how, I mean, we've been in this um, industry for so long. For me, it's been almost like three years. It's 30 years, three decades. Sorry, not three years, 30 years, three decades. And uh, we get to see the ups and the downs of the market and how things have, uh, they, they continue to change and will always change. And we need to continuously be adaptable. And the second thing is that also how, there's going to be always noise outside, no matter what the media, the news, the, everything will want to grab our attention. And how do we bring back 
you know, ourselves so that we're more firm and we're more ungrounded, always in admits of all of that that is happening with us. So hopefully by sharing my story, you get to see how even what we're hearing right now in today's news with what is happening in the Middle East is actually my story. And it is something I've heard continuously and I was born into it. And it's something that I've learned that while that is happening, how can I still be true to myself and be grounded and then still live? Because forever and ever and for thousands of years, wars and and people fighting and all of that has been going on. But, you know, what we need to really do is also still live and live and 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 give. In, in different ways and not just only um, being on social media all the time and just by, you know, at each other all the time, because that's what they are really the agenda and the governments want us to do is to divide rather than to connect and be together. That's exactly what the, you know, the goal is. And, and that's what I wanted to say is that I was born in a refugee camp. So I'm a byproduct of both of my parents being born in Jerusalem and then had to leave and then you know they ended up in Jordan and got married in a refugee camp and that's where I was and at age 15 which is a child really that's when my parents um, gave me away to my ex-husband and got married to come to Canada hoping for a better opportunity for me as a young woman because my dad says to honey you are capable of achieving whatever you set your mind to and that I took to heart I believed my dad wholeheartedly and that's what I wanted to do by coming to Canada is um truly look at my life and say how can I be a better person so that I'm better for my family at the time it was my like my brothers my sister my mom and my dad and then community and you just kind of expand the bubble and that's where my mindset was at the time and continue to be always where I'm at right now. And how can I be good to me first before I'm able to help the others and um, and stay grounded? Oh, wow. Wow. So gave you away? Is that, I, and I heard that term, I believe I heard that term correctly. Like that's, um, you know, we, we sit here and we live in Canada now and, and, and that that term you just used is almost unfathomable to even think about. Um, so have you, you know, if you don't mind, I I know the story, but I don't know a lot of the in depth. If you if if I go a direction or ask a question that you're not comfortable with, by all means, please let me know. Um, of your your parents are they still uh, alive? Are they still around? My dad passed away, but my mom is still alive. Okay. Have you have you ever had a conversation with your mom and dad after the fact of all everything that transpired and and maybe ask them a little bit because I would imagine being in a refugee camp and and that, that's just on you know I can't even I'm sorry I can't even imagine what that would be like and they probably had to make a decision and at that time they probably felt they were doing what was best for you maybe I don't I don't know but have you had a conversation with them after the fact Yes um more so with my mom because like with my dad I didn't have a chance but um and and you haven't been born in a refugee camp and many of our listeners are not but what and but it can actually um it, you can relate to it in a different way and that is when something that is unpredictable or surprising that happens to you out of nowhere what do you do in and you know um what do you do at that time and i did have that and definitely both of my parents 
um, saw me as a young woman, but they also saw that I'm a smart, you know, young woman that wanted to go and learn because in a refugee camp, we believe that education at that time is everything going to university and learning. And my parents knew that they could not give me that. So they thought me coming to Canada could possibly um, maybe will give me the ability to do that, you know, to um, to go to college or university, which in which I did, by the way, I yep. went to Canada College. Um, and um, so, yeah, they came in from a, of course, a loving heart. But at the time, I did not see that because I thought to my dad, how could you do that to me? I was crying. I'm like, dad, I want to be with you. I want to be with my mom. Like I'm a 15 year old girl. Like, I don't know nothing like 15 year old girls right now, you know, to give you perspective, they know so much more than I did, you know, um, at that time. So it was, um, for me, it was like almost unrooting me from what I know, taking me somewhere else that is so unfamiliar and unknown. And then it's like, you know, take care of yourself. And um, now you're on your own and do what you need to do. Oh, just crazy. That's like 15 year old girls now. And they're, they're, they're thinking about, oh, geez, what Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, Kels or whatever his name is. Just imagine just being uprooted. Had, had you ever met the man who was to be your, your ex-husband? I did um, probably once before yeah. the marriage happened because one day when I came home from a normal school day, um, heard a party at the house and the party was actually my wedding. You know, they were like, you know, yeah, having the wedding. And I didn't know until I actually opened the door. I'm like, who did I marry? So it was, <laughs> yeah, exactly. it, just, uh, it is really, if you think about it, it's a shocking story and, uh, as shocking as it is, it was very, very hard for me. And, um, and uh, yeah, within like, I would say less than six months, I had to change schools, leave my parents, my family, my friends, what I, what is known and familiar to different language, different country. Marriage on its own, even if it's in the same country, it's still a huge enough transitioning, you know. And even if you would have been dating someone, it's still a huge transitioning. And yet I had to do all of that from like, you know, the unknown, so to speak. Yeah. And you you literally were just becoming a woman at the time and you had to grow up very, very quickly. I would imagine it would have been fairly intense. You would have had to have grown up quite quickly being in a refugee, refugee camp. It was almost like fight or flight. It was survival. I would I would. Like, and I'm saying, I'm, I use the words I imagine because I, I have no idea, honestly. Like, I, I, I joke, I, I grew up in a small Saskatchewan town in a mobile home park, and I'm going, that's nothing. <laughs> I would imagine most people in a refugee camp would sit there go, oh, wow, what luxury. Look at you. You have run, you know, running water, and you have, you have a roof over your head, and there's no bombs blowing up and all that kind of stuff. Like, like that's crazy. So, okay, so you, you can't... Oh, go ahead. I have been in a war when I was like roughly about maybe eight years or nine years. So I've witnessed that as well. And another thing too that I've witnessed is that we had very, very little. But the one thing that I know in deepest of my heart and um, my parents taught us that is that we're grateful for everything that we had. So we were. I'm always seeing the glass is half full versus half empty because even when my mom, um, you know, and my dad, sometimes we had nothing but like bread to dip in tea to eat that evening. 
I still was thinking, wow, how lucky we are because we've got the bread and the tea versus some other families that did not. So I've always felt very grateful. And um, I always came from a place of plenty, that there is lots. And um, even with that, it was just like, it's still like someone else in that refugee camp did not have that. Yeah, that, that's crazy. I, and and um, did you ever have, uh, you know, and sorry if this is maybe a, a, a deep personal question, but um, I just know you, I just know, I know the kick, you know, pardon the language again here, kick-ass woman that you are. And just, you take, you just take, there's no excuses. You just get, get stuff done. And have have you ever, um, did you ever have some trauma over those kind of things? Or have you ever had to get some, some, uh, some professional help or guidance to really overcome those things? Or you just, you just figured it out and just went ahead and just did her, just got her done. I've always operated from an instinct, you yeah. know, um, feeling or point of view and I've always kind of you know listened to that but um we have a mutual uh friend um um what's his name oh my gosh skipped my mind um the Irish man what's his name oh Philip McKernan Philip McKernan yeah I did a few of his courses and that allowed me I felt at the time when I did his work that my life was like it's a, a piece of puzzle and my life was like you know all these pieces everywhere and then when I did the work with him I almost like put the whole puzzle together and I loved working with him on that side because I really truly had to go back and feel what Tahani the child felt and had to go through and um and really heal that in order for me to become a better uh, grown-up woman or Tahani, uh, I, I am today. Yeah, so and, and the one thing I will say with you is there is no victim speak in anything that you ever say, oh. ever. And I know even of you going back and sharing that story and going back and reliving it and you lived it, there's 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 no victim in there. There's There's no nothing. It's like you're the true definition of victor, not victim, really, truly. Okay, so you came to Canada for a fresh new bride. Um, um, and then what, what was it like when you first landed in Canada? Where did you land? What was, uh, what was the uh, acclamation into Canada? And how were, how were, you, were you accepted when you, when you got here? Or how did that go? It was very hard. I remember when I went to high school and everybody around me was like shocked. How could a 15-year-old be married and in school in grade 10? So it was really a shock on both sides on my side seeing girls and you know boys are in one school holding hands and all of that stuff and then at the same time them seeing me as a married woman but still going to school so there was a lot of differences there was a lot of um shocks and and you know i tried to be the housewife i needed to be and then you know, not and still go to school and still do um, my my schoolwork. So when, like you said, kids went out to play, I was going home to do my housewife duties and take care of everything and also had a part time job so that I could work and make a little bit of money so I can send back home and also help my dad. Because he told me, my dad, before I left, that remember, Tahani, this is not just only about you. This is about the whole family. It's the betterment of you, but you have to remember it's the betterment of the whole family. So as my kids say that I took one for the family, you know, or um, so it was a lot of responsibility on my shoulder and I would be up way ahead of everybody to cook and do everything before I went to school. 
then go to school, then come back and do my housewife duty, then do a part-time job. So it's been um, ongoing, like, you know, um, things to be done, you know, and not just really sit there and enjoy the kid that I was. Wow, that, that's that's heavy. Like, that is really heavy. Like, not only be a kid and, you know, go to chemistry class and algebra class and get your homework done in grade 10 and then potentially learn how to drive a car all at the same time. Oh, by the way, you also have to be, a, a you know, a wife and have a run a house and, and not only all of that but you have to then potentially have the responsibility of helping out your parents and sending some money back home too like holy macaroni that's, that's I'm just like wow there, you know guys we have no problems when you actually but hear something what like what i want our our listeners to really um hear is that if you really want something you'll find a way to do or get to it, you know, because you know, we waste a lot of time again, you know, listening to the news, doing this, doing that stuff that we don't really, um, that doesn't really move us forward. So if there is a will, there is a way that is one of my mottos. And for anyone that is listening, uh, admits of all of that, all the challenging times right now that we're going through, if you really want to find the solution, that you will find the solution. It's just that who you're going to surround yourself with. What are you going to hear? And where, you know, like, do you find that community that keeps you moving forward? Oh, wow. Absolutely. Now, did did you know English when you first came here as well? No, you didn't first. even know the language. And at the time, Russell, it was a dictionary. I don't know if you remember, it was like word by word by word by word. So, and I still have that dictionary because it's not like right now where you have, you know, the phone that can say what you want to say or translate and what you wanted to say, you know, it was like word by word. Wow. That's crazy. So, so then, okay. So you got your, your high school education and then, uh, where, where was the, you know, I know that, and there's going to be a big, big leap because then you became a real estate mogul in there, but what kind of happened in between the, Coming to Canada, the the young woman to when you up to your real estate kind of you know light bulb moment that kicked on. What was kind of some of the highlights in that in that period for you? Actually, I brought my family here to Canada, and the time it was so much easier, so much easier. And then when they came to Canada, one of my brothers um, was saying that I would like to open a you know in the flea market like a like a booth where I can sell some toys, and then there is Tahani like. Why the flea market? Why not open in a store on Main Street, downtown Cambridge? And at the time, it was the beginning of the dollar store, you know, craze. And um, and then I did what I could to get around. And I opened the first dollar store actually in Cambridge at the time. Oh, wow. Downtown, yeah, downtown Cambridge on Main Street. And then from that, there was a, a broker manager office the, uh, a man that was across from the dollar store he would come every day would get like say gum water coffee and then he would see me interact with people and then he would keep saying to honey i think you should get into real estate i think you with some skills and some learning you would do so well kept at me kept at me kept at me until i actually told my brother after a year and a bit that you know what this is all doing good we went from I had a 2,000 square foot uh, dollar store and, and we had a, a partial wall where it was like so tiny. I made it because we didn't have a lot of money to, to, um, to, to fill the whole store. And then by the end of the year, it was like the whole store was up and running and we had products in, in the, like full, uh, filling the whole 2,000 square foot store. And, um, 
I said to him, this is all going and it's really great. Now I'm going to go and see what this real estate thing is all about. And that's, yeah, and that's how my journey started as a so, so you you started as an entrepreneur in retail and had a dollar store. I imagine you probably bootstrapped the whole thing, meaning funded with your own cash. Were you able to take like a loan or some grant Actually, money? Yes. Actually, yes. It was a loan okay. from Bank of Montreal for $20,000, which was so hard to get. And I had to um, uh, write out a whole like business plan and this and that and go meet all the bankers and uh but I also think that I found something that I did not know or realize until later on in my years. And that is, I'm an entrepreneur at heart because even when I was in that refugee camp and I didn't know anything about entrepreneurs or my dad was not and nobody taught me is that I would, I remember like me looking at my neighbors and ladies, they would be crocheting things or, you know, doing those dolls in the cars, the taxes that they put or like, you know, um, the paper tissue, you know how they have like all these things that they crochet and they put there. So I start making them and I start selling them and I start, you know, also inventing games and I start teaching them to my brothers. My brothers would go out in the street and then they would do that. And I start baking and I would give it to my brothers. My brothers would sell it on the street. So I, I feel like it's just something that was within me, but nobody saw it out around me. And, uh, Nobody almost saw that I have that talent and let's help her further until I figure that out later on in my years. And and that's how, yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, well, you know, I'm I, I'm a very big believer that entrepreneurs, the definition of entrepreneur is problem solver, really. So you were just problem solver and just being scrappy, resourceful, and you were just being resourceful and survival and you were solving problems all throughout your life. And, you know, lo and behold, just one was, you know, how do I get out of refugee camp and how do I get out of a war? And then how do I, you know, get some some money together to start a dollar store franchise? And then how do I now solve some problems on um, selling real estate? Right. So yes. when when did the when did that bug bite? When did you join that brokerage to become a, a, in, in real estate sales? I guess, I mean, uh, my real estate career was up and down, just like most realtors right now, you know, experience. And and they they taught us that that's the nature of the business, which by the way, I don't believe so, you know. Um, and, um, but I remember I was selling, um, I was, after my divorce, uh, after 22 years of being married and going through a divorce, I knew I also had to take care of myself, but more so also provide a home for my two kids. And I went on and I started like, you know, asking for business. And uh, one thing led to asking for business. Yes, you have to ask for business. Like if somebody right now is struggling, whether you're a realtor, whether you're an entrepreneur, an investor, you have to go out there and be resourceful and ask, like put your ego on the side and then do what you need to do to make things better for you and your family. And one of the things is that I come across... um, uh, a gentleman that was a car mechanic. And I said, um, Ash, his name is Ash. Are you looking to buy or sell? And then Ash answers like, I'm not looking to buy because I have a home, but I'm looking for an investment. And, and I said, okay, what are you looking for? Like, what do you want? Let me see if I can find it for you. He told me what he wanted. He, I, I, little did I know that he was actually a real estate investor. He was a flipper, found in the house. He fixed the house. He's a car mechanic doing this as a side hustle. And three and a half months later, sold it, making $48,000. And that's when the light bulb in my head, I'm like, oh my goodness, 
Someone can do that. Someone can do that through real estate investing. And how do I become so like, you know, learn more? And I became so obsessed with this. I wanted to find, you know, communities. I wanted to find more information. And that's where I found Rain. And that's where I joined. And that's where I got to meet you and meet so many other incredible human beings. And as a realtor, when I walked into that room the first time at Rain meeting the Real Estate Investment Network, I remember that. I felt like, oh my gosh, I got to be in that corner, not saying nothing because there's all these people surrounding me that know a whole lot more. And if you are intimidated as a real estate investor right now and don't know what you are, you know, doing or what you're, don't worry because with time, if you stay focused, you'll get the answers, you'll get to meet people that will show you the road and, and it just kind of builds on its own. Oh, that's crazy. Now, now I know we, we, we glossed over a little bit of this in the your story is, you know, from refugee camp to landed in Canada to grade 10 students being a wife and all this thing. And then on babies came in along in the whole picture too. And you had to be a mom all at the same time and entrepreneur starting a dollar store and then becoming learning the ropes about real estate investing, getting that, that inspiration from somebody who flipped a property. That That's, that's crazy. That is, uh, uh, well, it's crazy, but it's also, it's, uh, it's by, it's been by design. There's been probably a hand leading you and pointing you down that direction where you've been going. Yeah. And I also think that the missing link for me as a realtor was that um, I was dealing with buyers and sellers, which was more emotionally purchase or emotional, emotional sales. And when I met in investors who are actually entrepreneurs and, you know, and want to make money and want to rent their places to tenants and so on and so forth, it hit for me. And once that almost link, you know, came in together, that's what I said. Ah, I love now this business. And when you love something, you'll do everything to make it work. And that's where, um, you know, you'll have the patience because with anything in life, there's the ups and the downs, right? But if you know that you're going to have to find the solution and to make things work versus just leaving them, you will find the solution and you will make things oh, work. Oh, that's fantastic. Wow. So, okay. So you got the bug, the the bite of the real estate bug. So when that was, was that a rain run? Probably year 2000, give or take, or was it a little before yes. that? Yeah. 2002. Yes, okay. correct. Yeah. I, I make the joke anyone ever asks me, so, well, how long have you been in real estate investing? I go, well, since the turn of the century. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Actually, maybe I use that. Yeah. Yeah. I sure hope you're enjoying this episode. Before we jump back to the conclusion, our strategic partners from Streetwise Mortgages are here with another important mortgaging tip. All right, take it away, Dahlia. Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages. And in today's episode, I will go over another powerful creative financing strategy to add to your toolbox, which is commercial financing, for residential properties. Many investors think that the only way lenders would finance a residential property such as a single family home, duplex, triplex, or a fourplex is by relying on the investor's personal income. While many lenders do, there are lenders on the street who would finance a residential property starting at two units under what's called commercial guidelines which primarily look at how the property itself will qualify for the mortgage based on its income and expenses versus how you as a borrower would qualify. 
If you are an investor who have exhausted all of your options for qualifying with residential lenders, this method will open up doors for you and will enable you to continue to scale without having to worry about whether or not you have maxed out on the lending ratios with these lenders. Under this method, you can get up to 75% of the appraised value of the property and potentially 80% as an exception if the property qualifies. The interest rates are also a lot more favorable compared to considering a private loan option. So when do you use this method and what do you need to keep in mind? Firstly, if you feel that you have hit a wall with the residential lenders due to the size of your portfolio, low personal income or high debts, I suggest you get a second opinion from our team at Streetwise Mortgages as most of the time clients come to us thinking that they've maxed out and we are still able to unlock financing for them. As an investor, you should maximize on residential lending first, in my opinion, as it gives you the best leverage at 80% of the value, best amortization at 30-year AM, and lower cost of borrowing overall, including lower interest rates, cheaper appraisals, and minimal lender and broker fees, if any. Once you have maxed out with the residential lenders, that is when commercial financing can save you money and help you scale before you take on private funds. And here are the things that you need to keep in mind. Number one, lenders will consider income from legal units only. So if you have a duplex with one unit as an in-law suite, for example, and not necessarily a legal duplex, residential lenders would consider the rents, but commercial lenders won't. This would, as a result, impact the loan amount you can get under commercial financing. Number two, the maximum amortization you can get is 25 years versus the 30 years amortization you can get under residential financing. And number three, plan for higher costs overall, such as higher appraisals and potentially lender and broker fees. If your deal got declined by your current lender or you feel that you have maxed out on traditional financing, or if you would like to see how this financing tool can help you scale, our team at Streetwise Mortgages will help you unlock your possibilities. To book your complimentary portfolio planning session or for questions, email us at info at streetwisemortgages.com. Cheers to your success. And okay, so then you got the kind of bug there. And then so you were you were doing real estate sales and transacting properties, got the bug. When when did you potentially pick up your first uh, property of your own as an investor? So what happened is that I went through the divorce at the time again, and that's how I remember the year. And um and and I knew that I needed to live somewhere because when I left that marriage, I left everything. I said I don't need nothing, I'll make it. And um I just kind of went on to thinking, how can I pay a thousand dollars for rent? So like, this was my thought process at the time, like just paying for rent, not even thinking about flourishing or even owning real estate. I remember I went to the bank and as I was doing my things, the bank manager saw me and I don't know what he said. And then I started crying. He took me into his office and he told me to honey, what are you doing? I said, I just went through um a separation like going through the divorce and i don't know where i'm gonna go i'm looking for apartments and he's like why don't you buy a, a property and i'm like i don't know that i can actually pay for the property and he's like let me see if i can help you get a, um, a mortgage and he got me a mortgage and i ended up um borrowing some the the five percent deposit to actually at the time it was almost two percent it wasn't even five percent 
to get a property and I got my first property at the time, which was a semi in Cambridge. And um, and the payment was roughly about like, you know, 1200. So, and that's where I'm like, I don't know, like real estate is hard because you have to be, um, you have to go out and get the business. It's not like, you know, you're sitting in the office and people are calling you, you know, so you have to be very proactive. And that's when I started like, you know, knocking on doors and asking people and asking who, who do you know, or are you interested? If not you. So you just kind of like, what I didn't know is that I was doing marketing 101 without me realizing. And that is I tied what I was doing to what I want. And that is, look, I just went through a divorce. I have two kids and I'm willing to do whatever it takes. If you're actually, you know, have a product to sell, that's me talking to builders. That's me talking to sellers. And if you, you're not ready, who do you know? Because I really need to make this work and make this happen. People are so helpful. People are so wonderful. When you come from a place of vulnerability and openness and share what you're going through, people will try and help you. Not everybody's going to be able to, but just remember, you're going to focus on the ones that hopefully will be able to. And you don't, and you, you, you will not even fathom or realize how much help is going to come your way afterwards. Yeah, especially one is willing to do the work. Sorry to mean to jump over there. Um, yeah, it's, it's amazing on, um, a lot of people are very scared to ask for help when you need help. Even when you, even, and when people are the most scared to ask for help when is when you need it the most is when you, you're the most scared and, and, and it's okay. It's, 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 it's a natural human condition to be honest. Um, now I'm a very firm believer and I say this all the time as people make changes or the biggest, the two best ways of motivation are inspiration or desperation, right? Um, everybody wishes that inspiration was the moment that you had that you get the motivation to make the change. But, but let's be honest, most times it's desperation. Most times desperation is a, a very strong motivator. So you really had, again, you had your backup, you were in another refugee camp in many respects and you're scrapping and you're fighting for your life and you just went through a, a, a divorce. And my kids with me at that time as well. Yeah, you had babies and everything on the go, and you're just you're just hustling. You're a definition of hustle. Okay, when did you really start making a making a go? Like you were you were you were doing a whole bunch of um, sales first and foremost, but then you you pivoted into doing your own development. When did all that start happening? When you started getting uh, that momentum? So when that happened, and I start asking for business. Um, what I did not realize is, and, and also I had the focus of like, you know, I want to work with real estate investors. So I started, you know, like, um, focusing on that. And then the more I focused on it, the more investors, the more even like, I remember there was a builder in my area that wanted to sell. Um, it was a small, like, uh, uh, you know, um, development and I kept going to him and I would say, George, this is my, you know. <laughs> this I'm meant to sell your um, development here. And he's like, Tahani, my wife is a realtor. I said, I'm going to make you and your wife, you know, money. Just let me sell this because I know. And I would bring him an offer, second offer, a third offer. And w that um, location was prime for real estate investors. So it was just, you can call it perfect timing. You can call it whatever you want to call it, but it was, just finding the right product and then finding the investors that wanted it and just kind of putting them together. And I did so well. I, I sold the whole, like it was like 48 houses in about maybe 
almost like close to five months, the whole development was by just only finding, yeah, the right product with the right investor. But what I've learned in that time is that it actually, it's, you have to tap in into your creativity also at the same time while you're doing your work. And while I was making enough money, I told the, the builder who actually um, introduced me to another builder, another builder, and that's how things started going. And that is, you know, I would like some of my commission to be part of a down payment on a property. And at the time, like I said, you just put like very, very little. In fact, at the time, the market was going up in like, you know, 2005, that I would just put a deposit of $1,000 until actually six months later when I close it, that one, and then I would have to give the down payment. There's enough equity that I actually would buy that property. So, and that kind of um, got me uh, onto a ripple effect of like, now I can actually not just only be able to pay my payments for the house that I just bought, but ended up also buying a whole lot more properties from these builders while I'm selling. And I became also um, the student as much as I was helping these investors. I said to them, I don't know all the answers. I'm learning, but I also would ask them and some of them would teach me what to look for, what to do. And all of that just brought me um, up to a next level of owning few properties while I'm owning my my house. Wow. So so you did it the old fashioned way. You worked your ass off, really. <laughs> there you go. Yes. Exactly. Sorry, sorry, guys. I, I may be dropping. I, I need to have my... I need to have my little my, my bleep going there or something. I'm missing the missing the. So so really, you you simple. And I'm I know I'm grossly oversimplifying this. You found an opportunity. You found people looking for opportunities, and you married the you matched up the opportunity with the people seeking opportunities. And then you were very astute along the way. You reinvested commissions back in. You took a little piece of the next deal. You actually had a long term long play vision on things like that. And you were, at the same time, you were learning the ropes from the people that were doing it. You were providing a valuable service. You were matching up opportunities with opportunity seekers, but you were also learning the process all at the same time. When did you take on your, when did you take on your own first development where you were the, 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 the lead on it? Yeah, that was actually probably around, no, I know exactly when actually it was 2010. So that would have been just around the 2010 where um, I was sitting with a mortgage broker. The mortgage broker was telling me that there is a small piece of land that's going to go into default. And if I know of anybody that could buy it, and then I went to see that piece of land, I'm like, oh, this is cute. I think this is good. I think I can build six townhouses on this piece of land. I ended up saying that I want to purchase it. So I bought the piece of land. And at the time, I hired a contractor builder to build it for me. And I ended up with six townhouses. And I actually sold those six townhouses even before they were built because of the um, investors that I had to work with and, and you know, knowing so many investors. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, you go on and you do the second. So it was just... Well, it was just... It was just a perfect opportunity. But when you see an opportunity, you need to kind of like see if this is something that you're able to do or not. And if not, who can help you get there? So it's very important to always be in the field and also speaking to people and building, you know, relationships. Because when the opportunity knocks, then you've got all this, you know, um, all these things that are lined up and you just kind of go in and tap into it. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, it was just a natural progress and you already had 
the buyers, you knew how to sell projects and you just step back in the chain and go, okay, well, how, how do I build it? And then how do I buy the land? And then let's just be totally vertically integrated. Let's, let's keep it all in house, if you will, the, the house of Tahani. Yes. Oh, I like that. Yes. yes. And, and okay. So how many, how many, roughly speaking, how many developments like that have you done over the, over the years? How many properties have not you done? Not a lot. Not a lot. Maybe every two to three years, a smaller one like this. So it's not like, you know, I'm not like, I can't say that I'm a real estate builder or a real estate developer, but I've done some of these. I can say that I'm a real estate investor because that's what I've been doing ongoing. So yeah, like right now I am in the midst, which you already know. I just, again, saw a client who wanted to sell a property and I thought this would be great. I can build on it. And um, another maybe minimum five townhouses, but possibly as, as, as maybe larger, maybe even 22, you know, smaller building. And this is what I'm actually right now exploring. So everything I feel in my life comes organically and in a way that just me doing what I need, what I'm doing right now, helping my clients and everything just comes and then you just kind of see okay, this is an opportunity I can take or this is an opportunity I have to pass. And it's very important to also know when to pass and when to take. That's, you know, for all the listeners, this is very, very important. Yeah. Now, I think you're being very Canadian, a very humble Canadian here when you say, oh, I didn't, I haven't done too many every two or three years, but I have a feeling if, you know, let's let's take a look at, let's say it's over 13, 15 years, every two to three years doing, you know, six to 10 units is... is, is <laughs> Uh, that's a, an entire lifetime for some people. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm very, very grateful. I'm very, very grateful. I'm always reminded that I'm very, very grateful of, you know, where I'm at right now in life. Yeah. Are you are you hanging on to some properties, some rentals out in in your in your your chart? You're primarily <laughs> focused in the in the Tri Cities of Kitchener, Wailu, Cambridge area, correct? Yeah. Very little, very few right now. And yeah. the reason why is it during COVID. I um, kind of took advantage of that timing, started selling, and then now I, I sat on cash, and that's how I'm able to buy something like this. And um, like for example, I took this deal to um, to a mortgage broker, and the mortgage broker is like, "You're good, your numbers work, your everything works, except that this property is torn down, and the bankers they don't want to actually do anything with it." So that's where I have my cash that I know I can actually buy it outright until I, I do something and then refinance it. So, and, and thank God that I put myself in that situation. So it's very, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a journey and we have to kind of like, sometimes I don't know if I'm doing the right thing or the wrong thing, but we just kind of go again instinctively and see what needs to happen and when. And that's what I did. So that was perfect timing. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's um, you know, Nothing, this is no slight against the market or Ontario rental housing providers, things like that. Here's the ironic thing is more rental housing is needed more than ever out in Ontario. And it is more difficult than ever to be a rental housing provider. It's not only is it difficult, uh, sorry if I'm getting on a soapbox here, but rental housing providers in BCs and Ontarios, they're, they're actually being blamed and they're being the villains in this story when most, most like, don't get me wrong, there's some bad apples, always bad apples in every, every industry. But most rental housing providers are trying to help solve a problem and they're being villain, villainized. And so people are just sitting there going, well, why would I, I, I'm providing a service and I'm just getting kicked in the teeth and I just, you know, why would I want to do this? Like, it just doesn't make sense. 
Yeah, and this is one of my clients that's in Australia, actually, that wanted to sell that property because he felt it was a bit too much to manage while he's away. And he had many other properties that I um, sold, you know, uh, for him, even within the last two years. So really, everybody's circumstances is different. And as a real estate investor, and just remember, is that, you know, you don't um, give up and become the victim of what is happening around you. But instead, try and see if there is a solution or talk to others that have, you know, um, gotten solutions in today's market, in today's challenges, in today's everything that is happening to us. And there is always someone that is, you know, doing okay and doing good. Um, Another thing, too, that I wanted to emphasize is that even for those that are not thinking about buying, like there is going to be great opportunities like just even this week i took a client to see a property just to give you an idea this client just not even a month ago listed it at 1.75 brought it down to 1.65 1.55 1.45 until he actually sold it two days ago at 1.150 150 so because this person have already like when he bought he bought cash and he didn't know that the market was going to go down. And then now he's stuck that having to sell that property. So as a real estate investor, it's always important uh, for you to kind of like see what is happening in the market and figure out when is it good for you to, to jump in. And by the way, it might be good for someone, but it might not be good for another. And that's why you have to go, no matter what you hear on the outside, always go back in and say where I'm at right now. And what is best for me and my family? Yeah, one hundred percent agree. And, and 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 as I look back, and I only can answer and make this comment because of twenty three coming on twenty three, twenty four, almost twenty five years of experience, and looking back upon this, some of the biggest mistakes I made was I I bought when I should have been selling, and I sold when I should have been buying. And um, I'm not here to say that 100% right now it's it's a 100% buying opportunity but it's pretty darn close like the numbers are starting to get back in line and then we're just talking specifically Ontario here because every market is local um but there I think there's an opportunity like just be mindful that you're not catching a falling knife all at the same time but at the same time as you know you just Tahani just shared a $650,000 haircut that went on one property um there's going to come a time where that's going to hit a floor and then that's going to start going up again too. So, so uh, you know, just be very mindful of doing things that do the opposite of what a lot of people are doing. Like that's that's golden right there. That's the best tip right there. That is a great. And, and just run your numbers. Like here's the thing: is at one point seven million and change or whatever. That maybe the numbers didn't work at that time, but now it's at one point one. Maybe it can work as a long term buy and hold. And you can then now wait another five, seven, ten years for the, the the next wave of the appreciation to come through. So there's lots of lots of dynamic dynamics at play in the marketplace right now. And and I, I tell you, there's going to be some big winners, and but the, unfortunately, there's going to be some losers at the same time. But but here's the thing: if you're in that point where maybe you've taken a quote unquote loss and you've had some pain. What are you going to do about that? Like, you know, what are, are you going to just run for the hills? Or is this something that you maybe learned a whole bunch of powerful lessons? Like I, some of the most important lessons I have learned as a real estate investor have been going through troubled wow. times, going through those, you know, pardon the, the language, going through the, you know, and, uh, 
and I came out stronger there. Don't get me wrong. It was not painful. I lost lots of hair follicles. Uh, it was sleepless nights. I lost, I had lots of tears and lots of stress and some of the things I'm still dealing with the fallout and the trauma from it and stuff like that. But at the same time, I'm more resolved now than ever with what I'm doing. As a matter of fact, it's go time all over again. And uh, we're, we're going, I've gone hardcore more in the past year than I've gone in the past five years with things. And I think there's an opportunity at hand here. Yes, I, I really believe that. I think when I look back and say, how did I um, survive most of those ups and downs? I can, I can say that one of the um, best things or best advice that I can give to people is that even in the times that I've made, you know, a lot of money, and I'm talking about a lot of money in my bank account, I still kept and sustained the same lifestyle. I did not go crazy and not thinking, oh, now I'm getting all this kind of, you know, money. Now I'm going to be spending and now I'm going to be buying this and I'm going to be buying that. No, you always live in within your means. I'm not also saying be like, you know, cheap on yourself and not spend or not travel or not buy the things that you want to buy or the fine things, but continuously remind yourself that there is the ups and the downs. And then when it's really, really good, you have to think about that, you know, it might actually go down and what are you going to do then? And when it's really down, you're going to think that it will turn around and it's going to go back up again. And what are you going to be doing now that we know that the, you know, that the market is going down and downturn and all of this that is happening to prepare yourself for the next wave up. And that is also as important as the other, you know, like the good and the bad timings. Yeah. And um, one of the key things everybody just is looking for is that most people look for just, it's a basic fundamental need is certainty, if you will. And I'm, I'm here to tell you that not to burst anybody's bubble, sometimes certainty is, is an illusion, right? It's, it's not there. Like, or create your certainty. This is what I do know. This is what I'm certain of. I'm certain of I'm a long-term, I'm in it for the long play. I'm in for the next 20 plus years. How's the numbers look now? The numbers look good. Okay, maybe now's the time to get in. Create your own certainty. Create your own path. Create your own, um, um, create your own, design your own future. Now, and speaking yeah. of future, Tahani, so you've been through... <laughs> And you've been through it all. Like, honest to goodness. There's, I, I, I'm surprised there's not a, a book or a movie or a Netflix special yeah. or a biography or something about all of this. Not yet. I still haven't reached the pinnacle yet. Okay. The well, that's, that's where my next question was going is, what, what is next for you? Where, where, where are you taking this next for you? What's the next chapter in your book? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to still continue doing the developments that I'm doing right now, small developments, I should say. I'm going to continue to be an investor. I'm going to continue help realtors that are struggling because I'm still a realtor. I'm still in the trenches. And I know, you know, I've seen the markets go up and down and what needs to be done and um, and investors and help investors. In fact, I've actually opened my calendar to just only one hour consultations for anyone that wanted to just only like... Um, tell me what they're going through and then hopefully I can shed some light and, and give them some tips and, and things that they can actually get them through this hard time so that they don't feel like it's the whole world is ending because the world is not going to end because the world will continue. But it's what are you going to do right now while you're going through the storm or yep. in the admits of the storm? Awesome. Awesome. Now, just before I don't want to completely forget, but um. I've pulled up your website here. So first of all, you have one of the nicest looking websites, by the way, just, uh, it's you. just, it's just high quality, 
video images. It's just like, and I, and I joke that you have an age of the day, by the way, just in all these years. Now, so yeah, it has been aging. <laughs> what, what is the, what's the best place for someone to get hold of you? If, if there's somebody um, just listening, if they will. Yeah, I mean, you can email me at um, info at tahani.ca, go to my website. Like um, soon, I am actually right now in the middle of changing and tweaking my website so that I'm able to offer these one-on-one, one-hour sessions to investors and or even realtors that want to just talk about the business and um, want to shed a little bit of light or find a solution to whatever they are going through. So uh, it will be done probably in by November 1st. Yep. We, we are November 1st, 2023, it will be done and it will be set up there for um, different options for different people. But um, yeah, so thank you. I mean... Um, yeah, and it's 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 the simplest, uh, if you want to get hold of Tahani, is just Google her name, just Tahani. It's like, I, I, I've made the joke many times and I'm going to do it again. It's like, you're, you're like Madonna. You're just known by one name. It's just Tahani, right? Everybody knows oh, Tahani, Tahani.ca, right? So... Yeah. Uh, okay, so before we do sign off here, um, I, I do have one more question that I want to lead into. And honest to goodness, you and I could just literally catch up and talk life and talk, uh, you know, talk families and talk about all the, the challenges and tribulations that we've been through. But, but I always like to leave off on, on the following question is um, if somebody was sitting here and they're listening to this or they're watching it on YouTube and they're feeling a little bit stuck. Maybe they're just not sure what's going on or they don't know which way is up and they're just a little stuck and they're not sure what to do next. If we were sitting down over a cup of coffee and somebody said, I'm just stuck, I don't know what to do. What advice would you give that person? First of all, it's um, instead of just thinking about the problem, start thinking about a solution because you're already thinking. You might as well think solution versus problem, you know, because uh, I always say if you think of the ditch, you're going to end up being in the ditch. But if you think that, you know what, I got to stir away and then now I got to find where the road is and the light is, then you will find a way. Another thing too is um, start asking, start asking because there are people maybe in your community right now or around you that will um, most likely know the answers. And if someone does not know, if you reach out to Russell and Russell doesn't know, he might know, Tahani might know. Maybe if Tahani doesn't know, someone else might know. You know how they say the sixth degree of separation. Um, so I, I'd say that leaning on your community and focus, must focus on a solution and start writing out what would that look like, a solution. I always remember that. Yeah. I always remember that for every problem, there's a solution. There's nothing that we need to invent. It just we have to kind of go up there and find someone that has already faced that. Oh, absolutely brilliant. And and just gang, if you are listening to this and if you are in that boat where you're feeling stuck, just reach out. Um, I, I and I'm just gonna tell you this as somebody who who helps people and helps real estate investors move forward. I am truly honored when somebody reaches out and asks for a question. I, I'm not professing I know everything or I can have the answer. But I'm just truly honored when somebody takes the time to reach out and ask a question. Maybe they're struggling with something. Maybe they need some help. Maybe I can just point them in a direction to a podcast episode, a YouTube video, something inspiring like a conversation I'm having here with Tahani. And it just can make somebody's day. It can help them move forward. That is why I do this. That is why after 23 years, I'm still very happy to help people move forward with things. Because both Tahani and I know this very clearly that we have stood on the shoulders of giants over the years and people have helped us 
it is our duty and our obligation to help the next generation forward. And that's one of the intention I had of this story and sharing to Hani with my community is to help the next generation of real estate investors bust through some pretty big obstacles that you're facing. Okay. So Tahani, before I sign off here, I just wanted to, first of all, sorry. You are very generous with your time. And Russell is like, is the guy to go to when it comes to joint ventures. I mean, I actually reached out to Russell just about like what, a month or two ago. And I said, I need some idea of how do I structure this deal? And he was able within one hour to say, you can do this, you can do that. And then I'm going to send you this. I'm going to send you that. So it's like, it's so important to really find people that, you you know, that can actually direct you or send you somewhere, or maybe, you know, would be able to help you immediately. And, um, and that's another thing too. And again, I mean, it's not really to promote it, but that's why I'm opening my schedule again for some, you know, one-on-one, one hour, like just one hour, you know, like, what do you need and how can I support, you know, maybe as a realtor, maybe as a real estate investor, maybe in this market, maybe in that market. And I don't know all markets, but I can certainly send people to Russell if somebody wants to know something in Edmonton or Calgary or Alberta. Yeah. And and just as a follow-up, I don't think we've chatted since we had that conversation. I've been really diving deep into the whole world of um, of mutual fund trusts, by the way, of getting registered funds into group money to be able to put into projects. So I think you and I are due for another off the recording conversation as well. I would love to learn more because I believe also one of the best strategies right now is pulling money together because that's the way that, because it's so expensive and how can you do it where, you know, where you're in a group of investors and somebody like you have already done it and, you know, before differently and then now you're thinking okay now we need to tweak it because today's market is this and today's market is that and how can we make it work for everybody so yep. i would love to yep i agree now before we do completely sign off here i know i've said it a couple times but i don't want to <laughs> let you go is, <laughs> that's the problem um i just wanted to just acknowledge who you are you are truly a shining light of a human being and i and i didn't mean it any hyper hyperbole at the beginning when i told you that i feel like a better person after every conversation we have together but that's just who you are what you put out who you show up as as a person every single day and honest to goodness in this world, we need more Tahanis in this world. We would have fewer problems if we had more Tahanis in this world. Thank you. I might, I might mother everybody or smother everybody. <laughs> well, that, that, that is a good thing. <laughs> All right, everybody. Hope you have yourself a wonderful day. If you like this, make sure you share it, share the show out with other people. And with all that being said, bye for now, everybody. So what did you think? Wasn't that a crazy, crazy story? That was just one of those episodes where I was just grinning. You know, if you get a chance to check out the old YouTube channel, uh, make sure you please do. I was grinning ear for ear. It was just fantastic to just catch up with the honey again and and go through all the, uh, you know, go through, you know, the story, the backstory, and just, you know, just have that wonderful conversation uh, as well. And she's just an amazing, amazing person. And uh, I think I've said that many times during the episode. And I don't, you know, I don't mean to be fan fanboying on Tahani here, but but she is truly a special person. And if you do have an opportunity to reach out to her, have a conversation with her, you will 100% agree with that assessment as well. 
Okay, gang. Um, just wanted to leave off here with a, a quick, uh, quick thing for you. Um, if you are interested in taking a look into the Alberta marketplace, now I know I've been on and on and on and on and on about Alberta, and, but I sit here and I, as I look upon different podcasts and I look upon different, uh, my YouTube feed and my Facebook feed, everybody in my personal opinion, especially Ontario investors, everybody's running down to the U.S. Gang, you don't have to go all the way down to, you know, Southeast U.S. and uh, places like that. There are markets in Canada that, in my personal opinion, if I stacked up the fundamentals that is going on in Alberta versus any state, any area in the U.S., um, I can almost, you know, I haven't analyzed every market. I don't know every market. And obviously, this is a very big and bold statement. I would stack up the fundamentals of what's happening in Alberta against any state in any area in the U.S., and I would bet that Alberta would come out ahead. So if you are interested in maybe taking a look into the Alberta marketplace, plus right now I've spent over the past year really cracking the code on how to do infill properties, on how to do small multifamily, how to get commercial financing for residential properties. That is huge. There are some um, financing opportunities and some incentives that have just come down the pipe that make these properties even better than what I was when I first started going down this road about a year ago. And especially if you couple this into, like get this, if you couple that into the latest announcement that just came out that you potentially can get a GST rebate. So on the properties that we're building, has GST built into the price? And, you know, if you're paying 5% GST and you're getting 95% loan-to-cost mortgages and you can get a 5% GST rebate back at the end, you know, my sixth grade Saskatchewan math doesn't have to work too hard to figure out how much capital that you have to put into that. Now, obviously, I'm glossing over this and there's an extremely amount of nuanced detail. It, it truly has taken us and our team a year to really crack this code, and but we've cracked it, in my personal opinion. We, we have unlocked the vault. We have unlocked the safe. And I'm going to share even more in depth into this in, um, in a coming episode. I put together a couple presentations where I, I delivered this to a group of investors out in BC a couple weeks ago. And honest to goodness, they almost didn't believe the numbers. They were just sitting there going, no, th that can't be true. Those numbers can't be true. And I'm sitting there going, gang. Not only is this true, these are real life, real properties, and I can show you purchase contracts, I can show you construction contracts, I can show you certificates of insurance, I can show you rental amounts, I can show you all these kind of things. It is 100% true. And the people just could not believe the timelines, could not believe the numbers, and they could not believe the opportunity. So where am I going with all this? What I'm going is if you want to be an early adopter, before I even deliver that presentation, if you want to have a conversation about to see if this is something for you, reach out to me. Uh, you know where to find me on my website or just hello at russellwestcott.com or just go to my website, russellwestcott.com. And there's a big giant button on the top there and it uh, says free consultation. Hit me up, 45 minutes. We'll have a conversation to see if this fits for you, see if you qualify, see if there's um, would be even something you want to take a, a look at further, but be an early adopter, be on the, on the, the leading edge of something as opposed to being on the back trail edge of it. Okay, gang. Now that o invitation is open for anybody. If you want to step up and go from there, 
If not, that's totally fine. We have an incredible amount of information and content coming out for you on the old podcast. And remember, gang, in every interaction you have with another person, always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and come from a place of love. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now. Bye for now.